wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Here in this particular passage, the Apostle Paul is addressing those in Rome. And he's speaking to them here in this book of Romans. And he's saying, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Basically, he's saying, I'm a debtor to everybody. I'm a debtor to everybody. And we're going to see here through the course of this message, we're going to just take a few minutes today. And it's really going to be a simple message. There's nothing complex about it. Literally, I have two pages of notes here, and it's really simple. We probably won't even be that long. Look, it's one and a half pages long. Of course, I can't say a whole lot then if I don't have any notes. So it'll probably be quick and to the point. But really, I I want us to spend a a few moments, and I want us to eventually at the end ask ourselves a question, what will I give them? What will I give them? Now, first of all, I want you to realize and remember this one truth. God is real. God is real. We need to remember that. God is real. Over in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It doesn't matter what you've learned in school. It doesn't matter what you've heard in society and in our culture. I'm here to tell you today that the Bible's still true. And as a result, we know and without a doubt believe that God is real. God is real this morning. But also, I want you to know that heaven is real. If God is real and he is, then heaven also is real. That's a very important fact that we must keep in our mind all the time. Heaven is real. Look, if you will, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. In this particular passage, we're going to read about a place called the new heaven. Notice it says in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Of course, this is taking place after the church age in which we live now. So here we are in the church age, and then comes the rapture of the church. We have the judgment seat of Christ taking place in heaven. We have the tribulation taking place on earth. Then we have the return of Christ to the earth. Armageddon takes place, that massive battle that will transpire, taking us into the millennium for a thousand years. The devil will be locked up. Then he'll be loosed at the end of the thousand years. He'll go about deceiving the nations. At that point, there'll be people that will believe and others that will follow him and others that will follow the Lord, obviously. But then we end up at the great white throne judgment. And now we have a new heaven and a new earth. So time has passed as we understand it. And now here in the passage, we're looking into the future and a day when this earth in which we now live will be dissolved, gone, and a new earth will then exist. And a new heaven. And the Bible says in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. 
And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Won't that be a wonderful day? Neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven is real. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, says, We are confident. I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He says, not only is there a heaven, but I am anxious to arrive there. I would be more than happy to allow this body to go by the wayside and end up in the presence of God. For to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Heaven is real. God is real. Heaven is real. But may I say tonight or this morning that hell is real. Again, we love to talk of heaven and its, its golden streets and its gates of pearl. We love to talk of heaven and how wonderful it will be. No more death, no more sorrow, no pain. Former things being passed away, all tears wiped away. That's a wonderful thought. But may I say today that as real as heaven is, there is a real hell. Look in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. You should be over there anyway or at least uh, if you've had a Bible you're probably close. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, what are we talking about? We're talking about a place of literal fire. It's called the lake of fire. In Luke chapter 16, we read about or are given a glimpse of this place. And again, it's not the exact place, but it is a place that really is prior to that lake of fire. A place that we call hell. But the Bible says that hell will be cast into the lake of fire. So there are actually two different places. I don't want to confuse you though, but, but if you die today without Jesus Christ, you go to a place called hell. And that's what's actually being described here in, Rev, in Luke chapter 16. But then that place in Luke 16 will be cast in to the lake of fire one day. So there will be no... Somebody says, well, I'll have a reprieve, then I'll stand before God. I've got to believe God's already going to judge. This lake will be taken, this hell will be taken and cast into the lake of fire. There'll be no reprieve. There'll be no second chance. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 16 in regards to this place called hell that you and I will go to if indeed we fail to receive and accept Christ as our Savior. God opens a window and gives us a glimpse into this place. Many have said it's a parable, but parables do not include specific names of people. This is not a parable. This is a true account. There was a certain rich man, verse 19, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table where the dogs came and licked his sores. They came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Before Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Before he led captivity captive. Before he literally paid the price of sin on Calvary. 
by dying, shedding his blood. There was a compartment called paradise, if you will. We would name it that, but it was part of hell. And literally there were two sides. That's why it all gets mixed up. You hear certain religions talk about Gehenna and or hell and all this stuff. And you say, well, how, how did Jesus go to hell and all this stuff? Well, hell had two compartments. One side was Abraham's bosom. The other side was the hell compartment. He lift up his eyes being in hell, torments. The other side was Abraham's bosom. And there we have Lazarus there being comforted. So there were two compartments in this one place called, generally speaking, hell. Now, what happened after Jesus Christ died, was buried, he come and, and set, set at liberty those that were in that Abraham's bosom, those that could not be in heaven because they were yet redeemed. Oh, their, their sins were covered for the time being by the blood of sacrifices. But Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, had yet to die on Calvary, had yet to shed his blood. So as a result, their sin was not washed away yet. Now their sin is washed away. Jesus Christ leads them to the heavenly abode above, into the presence of the Lord Jesus himself as well as God the Father. Here they are now. This side is being overtaken by the other side now. That's why the Bible says in the book of Psalm that the hell is enlarging herself. What it's meaning is, is that literally the side, that gulf that was between the two, is being pushed, pushed back further because more people are entering into this place called hell as a result that it's just being expanded upon it's still there but it's smaller and smaller and smaller until it's hell it's all there is now that one day will be cast into the lake of fire but in the time being for now those who die without jesus christ go to this place described here in luke 16 and they are in torment Literally, literally in a flame of fire. People, it is so difficult for us to wrap our mind around the concept of that kind of suffering. To, to sit and listen to a Holocaust survivor talk about the horrors of, of Auschwitz or some other concentration camp or death camp is beyond our imagination. We try to connect with them. I've been to the museum in Washington and, and, and it it's almost seems unreal and surreal you just can't wrap your mind around the horrors and the hurt and the heartache and the pain and the suffering that they endured and yet let me say that doesn't hold a candle to a place in the bible described as hell that is real there are those in our country and maybe around the world that would try to dismiss what took place in World War II and say that Jews were not really exterminated, that they really weren't killed, that they did not suffer as it's been put in history books. But let me tell you, it was as real as you sitting in your seat and may I say hell is just as real as that. God is real this morning. Heaven is real. Hell is real. America has traditionally been a very benevolent society as a whole. I mean, as a whole, people in America have been very giving. Uh, again, we can argue the fact that some aren't, some are. But as a whole, Americans do give. Look at major disasters that take place in our, our world even. Americans are quick to, to give, uh, to, to try to help and try to intercede on behalf of others. If, if there's a knock on America these days, you know, Americans are a little upset that we as a nation seem to run around the world helping everyone else, but we don't help ourselves. 
And, and so as, as, traditionally speaking, Americans as a whole have been a very benevolent society, a very giving people and a giving nation. We've been good about giving in the past, and I think, as a, I think we still are somewhat good at giving even today. But this morning, I want to consider what will you give them? What will you give them? I mean, we have a lot of people in our lives and in our families and friends and maybe acquaintances and others around us that are in need. Needs abounding everywhere today. There's just all kind of needs. And and by nature, if you are someone that is got it has compassion, especially if you're a child of God, I would hope you have some kind of compassion for people that are hurting. And, and you're going to want to aid them. You're going to want to help them. You want to give in some respects. And so my question today is, what will you give them? What will you give them? There's a few things that we find ourselves quick to give to people or that we do give. We give things like food. Here's a big juicy burger. Beside it are some fries. Originally, I was just going to put the burger on there, but when I saw the fries, I thought, i got to put those on. And there's a tomato. There's onion there. I mean, somebody's in need. And we're, we will buy them, buy them a meal, buy them a burger, maybe get some groceries for them. Get some groceries for them. And that's commendable, and I, I think that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. May I say that long after they've eaten that burger, they'll still burn in hell. Give them all the burgers you want, and they'll still burn in hell. Give them all the burgers you want, they'll still burn in hell. What else? What are we good at giving? We, we're good at sometimes trying to fix problems with what? Money. Throw money at people. You know, somebody stands at the street corner begging for uh, some money. We give them a buck, buck or something. We, we try to help people. We give to funds. We give to different organizations and groups. We even give to the church. You know, we're trying to help people out. We, we give our money. And that's commendable. That's a wonderful thing. To help people with the, the finances, you know, and to maybe help them. Maybe you got a family member or a friend that they got injured. Maybe a, a dad or a mom got hurt and now their income has been affected. And so you try to help them. You give them some money to help pay a bill or to, to meet a need in their life. And that's wonderful. Listen, uh, nothing wrong with that. This is a thousand dollar bill. If you got any extras, give them to me. Long after they've gotten this thousand dollar bill, though, they'll burn in hell. Give them all the thousand dollar bills you want. And the truth is, they'll still go to hell. Remember, God's real. Heaven's real. But hell's real too. Money. Money. Oh, I know. I know what they need. You know, families get into a mess. Things get tough, difficult. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, they need some clothes. They need some clothes. That's what they need. Oh, those are. Oh, that's a shirt. Okay, good. Oh, that's not a good one. That's a Community Baptist Temple shirt. Here's another shirt. We can give them some shirts. What do we got here? We got all kinds of stuff in here. Oh, man, there's all kinds of T-shirts. There's maybe a few skirts in here. Oh, there's some blouses. Oh, mate, there's a, even a sweater. Look at that sweater. We give sweaters. We give clothes of all sorts. And that's good. That's good. Come on up here. Let me give you some clothes. Come on up there. That's right. There he comes. Look at him. Doing good. Look at that. He's excited about these clothes. <laughs> look at that. Those clothes. See, look at that. Now, you could wear that. That's a great clothes. That's some good clothing there. That's a Community Baptist shirt. 
You could use that on work days. You could use that wherever. I'm going to give that to you. Go ahead. Have a seat. I know you're excited. <laughs> it's excited. Look at that. But let me tell you something. I can give him all the clothes he ever needs or could ever want. But he's still going to burn in hell. I could buy him brand new shoes every month. Brand new suit twice a year. I could make him look like a million dollars, even him. <laughs> you don't need a whole lot, do you? It's not, it's not the clothes that make the man. It's the man that makes the clothes, right, brother? But the fact is, is that you'd still go to hell. Oh, okay, maybe. I'll tell you what. I, I know. I know what you're thinking. If only we could get him a job or her job. If they could only get a job. We'll get them a job. That'll fix their problems. That'll meet their needs. That'll do it. Let me tell you something. That'd be wonderful. I, 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 you know what? I feel for people that own businesses and churches. I do. Because everybody thinks that they should be like some grandpa in the sky that just hands out money and gives them jobs. Let me tell you something. If you ain't worth a nickel, character-wise, I wouldn't hire you and I'm the preacher. I don't expect anybody in this room, if you've got a business or if you've got something going, don't you hire people in this church just because you feel obligated to hire them because you don't want to leave a, make them feel bad. No, you make them feel bad. But you be honest with them. You be honest why you won't hire them. Don't you dare just say, well, I don't have, and then go hire somebody else. Then you'll have bad feelings. They may still be bad feelings, but at least let God work in their life when you say to them, the problem is I see that you're inconsistent at church, so I don't want to take a chance on you coming to work inconsistently. Anyway, you be honest with them. You, you tell them. So I'm just I'm giving you guys all an okay. We got all these business owners in here. <laughs> Don't we wish? Jobs. Let me tell you something. Give somebody a job. They can feed their family. Maybe go out and buy a nice house. Take care of their car situation. They'll still go to hell. Still go to hell. shelter. Somebody comes and says, listen, I ain't got nowhere to stay. I said, oh, that's fine. Come stay at my house. Put them up. Take care of them. Put a roof over their head. Meet that need in their life. Only problem is they're still going to die and go to hell. What about kindness? People need kindness today. Someone comes to church and we say, well, sit with me today. Sit with me today. That's fine. Just come join us. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Go come to our house this week, this this year. I mean, if you don't have nothing, do come to our house. Show a little kindness. I got Christmas dinner on on Christmas. Why don't you come to our house this week? Showing some kindness. That's a wonderful thing. Kindness, respect. People, I believe, because they are created of God, deserve some respect. You don't have to determine who who gets it in that sense. I mean, people don't have to measure up to your expectations. You still need to treat people with respect. Well, they don't deserve my respect. Well, that's not your decision. Not in that sense. I mean, just because somebody doesn't make the money you make or they don't look like you look or they don't work where you think they should work. and That's not what determines that. I mean, that they have no character and they come to your home and steal things. Yeah, I'm not inviting them to my house either, honestly. But, but I'm talking about just because they don't measure up to your what you think they should be. Or they were more like me. No. No, no, no. I don't care what the gal or the guy looks like behind the counter. You treat them with respect and kindness. That's just what we do. That's what God would have us do. He treats people that way. 
we should be a reflection of Him. He lives in us. But I can treat people with kindness all day long. I can give them the respect that God would have me to give them, but the fact is they're still going to die and go to hell. See, I can give them all these things. I can give them food. I can give them money. I can give them I can give them clothing. I can give them shelter. I, I can give them jobs. I could even give them maybe some kindness. But if that's all I give them, they're going to go to that real place called hell. No matter how much I give them. The only thing that's going to keep them out of hell is the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. What will you give them? Oh, I'm not saying not to give money, not to give food or clothing or shelter or kindness. No, I'm not talking about that. But when we only give those things and we neglect the most important thing, the gospel, no matter how much we've given, they'll still die and go to hell. God help us to give what they need most. We have family, friends, neighbors. We don't see our neighbors like we used to. And I'm kind of guilty of this. I have a tendency if I don't see somebody, I don't feel like I'm responsible for them. But they're still my neighbor. I better get on the stick. I can show them kindness. I can take over some food when they're having a hard time. I can give them shoes because their kids don't have any to put on their feet. But they're still going to die and go to hell if they don't get this right here. The gospel. Jesus Christ. He is the only way, truth, and the life. Again, Americans as a whole are, I think, traditionally very benevolent, very giving. But let me ask you, what will you give them? I I think it's important that we keep our wallets open and that we give generously to our churches, give generously to people in need, that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He leads us. I I have no problem with that. I I think if I could, I, I, I would buy... There's three or four people right now I'd buy a brand new car for if I had the money. If I thought the Lord wanted me to. Me is one of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know I mean? Some of you are going, oh, hey, that's really, uh, me first, okay. But no, I'm just, but a job. I'd love to give people jobs. I wish I had a bunch of jobs to give. I'd love to do that. I think it's great to put some groceries on people's tables. That's needed. It's necessary. You know somebody's having a hard time? You don't have to go out and buy them a bunch of things. You maybe just go out and buy them something good. Maybe give them a, I don't know, gift card or something. Just say, hey, have a good time. You can't, you know, you can't spend on anything but that. Here it is. You're worried they're going to spend on booze or on drugs or something? No, give them, maybe give them a $20 bill for their family. Not a $20 bill, but give them a $20 gift card or something. They go, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with giving. The problem is that that's all I give, though. i got to remember there's still a real place called hell. 
We go back to our passage in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 14 and 16. Look at what the, the Apostle Paul says here. <clears throat> he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise, so as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Four words in the passage, real quick. Number one, debtor. Look at the word debtor. He said, I am debtor. He's a debtor to everyone, he says. A debtor to everyone. I don't like to feel like I'm in debt to people. I don't. If somebody, somebody comes to me, I've had, I've had to deal with this in the past. I, I never received. I wouldn't accept things. I didn't want stuff from people because I didn't want to feel like I was obligated or in debt to them. And I learned a long time ago I had to be careful with that as a pastor. I had to be careful with that as a Christian. Somebody wants to do something for you as a believer. They feel that God's led them to do something. Then you need to be gracious enough to receive it. You don't need to be out there blasting all your needs to the world, trying to get people to help you and do things for you. But if for some reason you're begging God in the privacy of your prayer closet and someone comes up to you and offers you something and you know it had to be God, listen, you need to be humble enough to receive that. But I don't want to be obligated, and I don't want to be uh, responsible to people. I don't want to feel like I'm in debt to anybody. But Paul the Apostle says, listen, I'm in debt to everyone. I'm a debtor, he says, both to the Greek and to the barbarian, both to the wise and the unwise. It doesn't matter whether you are a Jew. doesn't matter whether you're a Greek. doesn't matter whether you are cultured or not. I don't care what your gender is. doesn't matter what nationality you are. I owe you something. That's what he says. I owe you. I'm a debtor. But you notice that word ready. He goes on to say, so as much as in me is, I am ready. What are you ready to do, Paul? Feed them? Clothe them? Meet their needs? I believe that probably he did. I believe he did his best to try to encourage. We see throughout the Word of God how the brothers and sisters in Christ came together and met one another's needs physically, financially. They did that. We're responsible for one another, not for lazy people. Not for folks that won't work. Not for people that won't do when they could. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, well, this guy won't work a job. He's lazy. He sits on his tail all day long. He could be out working. He could be looking for a job. He just doesn't even try. No, we don't have to all get together and go, let's support him and his family. No, we will never do that at Community Baptist Temple. Because biblically and scripturally, he is responsible for his family. But what if he gets hurt on the job? What if a family in our church that's faithful, committed, has been coming faithful, and we know that they've got a good character and they have great need, and it's not because they've been lazy or that they've lacked responsibility. What are we going to do? Just watch as they wilt away? Just watch as they, they just melt into nothingness? No. They may not be able to live in their $200,000 home anymore. They may not be able to ride in their Mercedes-Benz any longer. But let me tell you something. There better be food on their plate. There better be some clothes on their back. There better be somewhere they can lay their head and know that they're safe at night. It may not be to their standard, but if they're humble and they're of the Lord, they're going to say anything we get is good if it's of the Lord. We'll do our best to help and meet needs along the way when there's a legitimate need. And that's what the Christians did for one another. They met literal needs. People were being chopped into bits. People were being thrown into prison. Women did not have their husbands anymore. And children were fatherless because of persecution and martyrdom. And the church gathered around them and met those needs and encouraged one another. But hold on. It wasn't enough just to give those things. Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. I'm a debtor to every man, woman, boy, and girl. 
There's something more important than just mere food, more important than just mere shelter or clothing. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they need or they'll die and go to a literal hell. The word ashamed. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What keeps us from giving the most important thing to people? Is it, is it most often that we feel intimidated because of our lack of knowledge? Or is it we just feel intimidated because of the message? Which is it? I believe today that as a whole, when I fail to witness as directed by God, it's because I am ashamed of the message. I know I can show the gospel to somebody. I know that as simple as the gospel is, I can at least give them a basic outline. I can certainly do that, and most of you probably could if you really tried it all. But what concerns us is how we will appear before the world. What will people think? Is this really a good time to give them the gospel? Because others may be around to see it or hear it, and I would feel a little embarrassed and I certainly don't want them embarrassed, so I'm going to hold off for them. Really? You know what I found? When I've led people to the Lord at McDonald's or Burger King or other establishments like that, they didn't seem to be as concerned about it as I was. I was amazed. I used to think, I can't go up and talk to somebody at a McDonald's or Burger King and, and sit down with them and open my Bible up there and that thing and talk to them about that. I could never do that. I'd embarrass them. You know what? They didn't seem to care. I was the one going looking around like, is anybody looking at us while I'm leading them to the Lord? You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just sharing that with you. I'm, I'm trying to be transparent. I, 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 like you, struggle sometimes. Paul the Apostle, however, says to him, he says to me, and he says to all of us today, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Why aren't you ashamed of the gospel? Why, why, why is it that you have so much boldness? He ultimately says why? Because of the word power. He said it is the power of God. What power to what? Unto salvation. Then the gospel, he says, that's what enables men and women to avoid hell. That's what saves their soul from sin. That's what does the job. And that's what they need more than anything else. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if a man or a woman misses this, if they fail to receive this in their life, they'll spend an eternity separated from God in a literal place called What will you give them? We're entering 2014, and as a church, there's a number of directions that we can go. A number of directions. But I'm going to tell you something. In this preacher's heart this year, there's only one direction I want to go. It's the year of the soul. And I'm not talking about tonight. I'm not giving away tonight's deal yet. But I'm telling you, it's the year of the soul to me. More important than anything else are the souls of men and women. More important than that building sitting up there on a hill is the souls of men and women. More important than whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable in this building is the souls of men and women. Whether or not our music program is what we want it to be or it isn't is is really uh, not as important as the souls of men and women. Those things are all important in their place, but they're not the most important thing. And let me tell you, I want to help people. I want their families to be reached. And I want lives to be changed and transformed. And I want homes to be restored. Those things don't happen until a man or a woman gets Jesus in them first. We're trying to fix problems before we fix the person. 
souls. This year we need to focus on souls. It ought to be priority. It needs to be big business. Because, see, that was the heartbeat of God. Souls are the heartbeat of God. What's he saying in John 3.16? Let's quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Most of you could quote that by yourself standing on this stage. The fact is we're very aware of the reality and the fact that God sent His Son to save people, to give them everlasting life. And as much as they need clothing today, and some desperately need it, as much as they need some finances today, and some desperately need it, as much as they need food and shelter, as much as they need kindness and respect, the fact is today is that although they may receive those things in this life, they will die and go to hell without Jesus. Jesus Christ. We better get a handle as a church on what's important around here. Is it really how comfortable we are? Is it whether or not we're in the in crowd? Is it whether or not people like us or not? Is it whether or not I'm important here or not? Or is it people and souls and eternity? We got to quit whining about ourselves and start thinking about the great need that exists in this world in which we live. Why did God save us? Why did He put us in this place? And why did He give us the home that we have and the family we've got? Why did He give us the job we have? And how come we have a church like this and a church family like this? God wants us to take Akron and to take our community for Christ. That's what He wants. He doesn't want to just see us sitting around here having a good time playing church. And I want to encourage you and ask you the question, What will you give them? It's easy. Here, here. Oh, they're going to like me now. I gave them something. Nobody will be mad at me for giving away a a nice sweater. That'll look so cute on you. I mean, that's easy. And boy, I'll tell you what, if I had a $1,000 bill today, man, we would get, if I was giving away $1,000 bills at Community Baptist Temple, man, the media would be all over it. They would be here today going, whoa, they're giving away $1,000 bills. That's the best church in the world. We're giving away food. Anybody that comes, we're going to give you food for a week. Man, our community would flock to our church. People would be excited. We might even get some news coverage. And we go, yes, we're the church that gives away food. And you know what? There'd be nothing wrong with that unless that's all we give away. Listen, nothing wrong. Let's give a $1,000 bill away if it means souls coming to Christ. Let's give away food if it means people coming and getting saved and going away ultimately to heaven. Nothing wrong with giving away clothes. But if that's all we give, They're going to go to a real place called hell. And whether it's a church or whether it's me as an individual, I need to make up my mind what I'm going to give to them. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to know soul winning training starts on Saturday, February the 8th. It'll go for six weeks. It'll start at 9.30. It'll go to 10.15. Everybody will go to soul winning training that's in our ministry. All of our bus workers, all of our Sunday school teachers, all of our staff, everyone goes to soul winning training this year because that's the most important 
thing you can give someone. We're all going to be prepared for that. Anybody that works at Community Baptist Temple needs to be prepared to give the gospel. Because that's what matters. We may have other times that we put down for soul winning training, give you opportunities that work on Saturdays that are unable to make it. I feel, and I have, I have sympathy for many of you men and women that work throughout the week. And you say, man, Saturday's a bad day for me. I understand that. And you know what? If I worked all week long like that, if I didn't have a day off during the week, I'd probably want to go in the evening, some evening night, so I'd have my Saturday available. And you can't work in the bus ministry and do that, obviously, because that's very difficult. But you can go soul winning out of the days during the week. And I, I wanna, I'm going to try to do my best this year to provide for you so that you don't have to give up maybe your whole Saturdays to where you can possibly make that happen. Because I think it's important that we make available opportunities for you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. This year, 2014, Community Baptist Temple needs to win more souls than they've ever won to Christ. That's all there is to it. And that means we have to spend more time than ever reaching out to our community, whether it's giving some clothes out with the gospel, whether it's sacrificing some finances with the gospel, whether it's giving away some food with the gospel, whether it's just showing some kindness with the gospel. We're just going to have to start doing something about this because, listen, there's more at stake than just the comforts and the felt needs of people today. There's an eternity. God is real. Heaven is real. And hell is real. What will you give them? Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Father, for this time.